0: Very happy to have Guy Benson, uh, political editor of townhall.com and Fox News contributor back on the MacIver podcast. Uh, normally uh, on this podcast we talk about state-level issues, but we can't let the opportunity pass by to talk about some of the more national stories. Uh, Russia, which is a constant presence in the news cycle. the Of course, the shooting at, at Parkland in Florida. And, uh, and tax reform. So I guess uh, I'll just leave it kind of an open-ended question. What What's the latest on Russia? What, what insight do you have on what's going on with the, the Mueller investigation and so on? Well,
1: I mean, it's really hard, even for someone like me who has to pay attention to this stuff pretty closely uh, as part of my job. It, it is difficult to follow the plot sometimes on this. I know there's been a huge amount of attention paid to these memos. Um, the the Nunes memo from the House Intelligence Republicans and then the counter memo from Adam Schiff and the Democrats and which one prevailed and which one was more serious than the other. Then there's the Senate memo that informs that whole debate from Chuck Grassley and Lindsey Graham uh, and lots of leaks and rumors about what Mueller might be up to, plus the new revelations about seven states had some of their voting registration processes, not tampered with, but penetrated to some level um, during the 2016 cycle, although no votes were changed or legitimate voters were deregistered. There's there's a lot percolating out there and there's a lot of speculation in the media. To me, it seems like Mueller is sort of thoroughly and systematically going through the various angles of this story and trying to get to the bottom of what happened with the Russian interference, what role there might've been for people within Trump world if there was any collusion whatsoever. Um, So far, we haven't seen any strong indications that there's gonna be some sort of a bombshell uh, indictment of high level Trump people. Uh, related to the campaign at all, but you never know. And you have this side story about the unmasking or the um, at least the monitoring and wiretapping of Carter Page, a former Trump campaign official, during the 2016 cycle, um, and how the FBI and DOJ managed to obtain that FISA warrant to spy on an American citizen who had connections to the Trump campaign during an election year from an administration at the time that was uh, obviously from the party opposed to Trump's candidacy. Um, I think that we are still a ways off from having any legitimate answers. Um, I do hope that Mueller not only gets to the bottom of what I mentioned before, but also does look into any abuses or overreach or overstep from the DOJ and FBI in the process of um, looking into suspicions of the Trump campaign and that Mueller and or the inspector general will take a serious clear-eyed view at the Obama era DOJ's actions in all of this. Because I think that there are some fair, legitimate and concerning questions based on the three memos that I just mentioned um, on that whole front.
0: We've seen a number of, uh, a large number of prominent Republicans say, you know, warn, kind of warn Trump that, uh, you know, don't touch Mueller. Um, Do you think that there's anything to this notion that the president would really like to fire him, that this is all just kind of a a justification for setting up the eventual firing of uh, Rod Rosenstein or or Robert Mueller, Or, or do you think that sanity prevails and Uh, What you said you hope happens, that he does get to the bottom of whatever happened, whether it was the Obama administration or something in the Trump campaign. Uh, Where do you see that going?
1: Well, there were these rumors that Trump almost pulled the trigger on firing Mueller back in the summer and that the people around him convinced him against it. Uh, The White House counsel allegedly threatened to resign and and Trump backed down. Uh, To me, the fact that Trump may have been spouting off or frustrated and may have said something the point is it didn't happen i have no idea how serious trump's intentions were or if it was just him blowing off some steam but it didn't happen and i think there's a broad understanding within his administration and within the republican party that Mueller should be allowed to complete his work and that's my expectation that's the way the president has played this um and frankly Mueller has enough credibility Uh, on both sides, I think, and especially on the left, that if he comes back without a major smoking gun implicating Trump uh, or or the Trump campaign in in a problematic way, I think that has the capacity of being seen as a major vindication. Um, But you can't be vindicated if you fire the guy based on sketchy frustrations or you, you look you look guilty, like I that's the thing. I don't really believe the collusion narrative myself. I never have. Um, but you look like you've got something to hide if you're constantly agitating against someone like Bob Mueller and quest questioning his integrity. um you know I, I do think his team is a little uh unbalanced to the left. I think that's a fair criticism. but you know, let the guy finish what he's doing. And if he finds strong evidence of criminal wrongdoing, then, you know, let the chips fall. But if he doesn't, you can really put the issue behind you if you're the Trump folks.
0: And and if you were to fire Mueller, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, things that the Obama administration may have done, uh, exposed here too, that you know, there may be more to that that will never get never get brought up too.
1: Yeah, it would be it would be tactically and strategically a nightmare, just a total disaster to fire Mueller. And I don't, I think that's more of something that the left wants to talk about Trump doing rather than something that is likely to occur.
0: I'm tempted to do my Trump impersonation with the total disaster part, but I'll spare listeners. <laughs> um, let's shift gears here. I know your time is limited. Um, the. The big, big, right, rightly the big story of the past uh, week plus has been the shooting in Parkland, Florida. Um, you know, obviously the the two sides have gone into their, their camps, the, the, the gun control camp, and they obviously have a, a, a sympathetic group of students that they're trotting out in the media, and then the folks who, as always say, that these aren't workable answers, uh, what, just uh, give us your comments on on this whole uh, situation
1: Well, it's clearly horrifying. I mean, a mass shooting at a school from someone who should never have had a gun who had the police called to his house on him or his family you know forty five times um, it's It's heartbreaking um, seventeen lives stolen and perhaps made worse by serious allegations of one to four sheriff's deputies standing outside the school with guns, doing nothing, uh, while the shooting was going on. Um, it, it's, it's, I understand the emotion. Um, and it's hard not to feel emotion just as you look at the photos of the, of the students, you hear the stories, you know, the football coach who's stared down the gunman totally unarmed and, and was murdered on the spot. Uh, it's just awful. Um, you know it's funny cuz i'm you know i'm not really someone who is heavily in one camp or the other i'm certainly more pro second amendment than pro gun control but i'm not a guns person i'm not an nra member i'm not into gun culture i i don't do that stuff it just it doesn't really interest me um so i'm the type of person who is open to some compromises and i i think the bump stock idea from the president is, is Probably a good one. Uh, That one more pertains to to Vegas, um, the Vegas shooting, and this Cornyn Murphy legislation uh, tightening up the background check um, regime that's already in place. I think is a a no-brainer. I mean, it's an obvious one given the fact that two of the recent mass shootings in the last year or so um, have been carried out by people who got guns who shouldn't have, who literally should have failed a background check but because of bureaucratic screw ups um they were able to get the guns anyway you know i think it's a, it's an understandable counterpoint to say if the ex- if the existing laws are not being enforced properly and the existing bureaucracy is not doing its job already i don't know layering more laws and more bureaucracy onto the dysfunctional system seems foolish um and and unproductive Uh, So I think fixing and addressing some of those failures ought to be job number one. Um, But I also think it is awfully difficult for a lot of Second Amendment supporters to be eager to compromise much beyond some very basic ideas with an organized anti-gun left that basically at every turn – tells us that we're crazy to talk about gun bans and then introduces and cheers gun bans and who constantly impugn the motives of people who support the second amendment or who don't agree with them politically as being, you know, uncaring about dead children uh, or having blood on their hands. This you know, why would you why would you want to cooperate with someone who's calling you a monster? And also calling you crazy, and then out of the other side of their mouth, saying, "Well, actually, the thing that you're supposedly paranoid about is exactly what I want to do." I think there's a deep mistrust on both sides of the other, and I think our discourse around it is awful. I think some of these kids um, are being used uh, in in ways that are really sad to watch. Um, you know, I think they have every right to say what they want to say, and you know, teenagers grieving and who have been traumatized, you know, I give them a lot of breathing room. Um, but I think, you know, they're being now it's Buzzfeed report. They're being bankrolled by left-wing groups like MoveOn.org and planned parenthood, uh, to agitate and, and, um, demonize basically demonize republicans and and do so in some of the most demagogic ways and a lot of adults in the media who i fault more giving them a platform unchallenged to just say some really some really nasty things um it's been a very disheartening process uh starting with the unbelievable horrible tragedy itself and then watching our quote-unquote debate play out which is just horrendous and frustrating and demoralizing.
0: The quote unquote debate, I think it really touches on the way I think about this. I mean, there are common sense things that can be done beefing up and modernizing the background check system. Uh, I read about a a thing called gun violence restraining orders uh, by David French in National Review. Um, Mm -hmm. I had not heard of that before. I mean, that sounds like something that would have stopped this particular person uh, from getting a weapon. Uh, Clearly, you know, massive systematic failures uh, and you know, it seems like the left is so entrenched in what the, you know their ultimate goal is. They're uh, they're not willing to listen to these kind of less sexy uh, ways that we can chip away at the problem of crazy people having guns.
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I agree, and I don't see I don't see a way that this gets better because it seems like there's an awful lot of irresponsible actors. And I think we're we're in a heavily tribalistic time where, you know, you've got these organized uh, activists who are pushing for the NRA to be blackballed by corporations when a lot of corporations have then caved to that. And then there's a backlash against the cave and people are people are really dug in uh, in a way. And and hateful and spiteful toward each other in a way that does not speak well of our ability to solve problems um, or to advance the ball. I think, I think there might be the Cornyn Murphy bill, I think might be a, a rare opportunity to, to, to make some progress and to do something that is a consensus, common sense solution that, that both sides can get behind. But beyond that, I mean, it, it seems pretty bleak.
0: Well, if if, uh, if politicians can't actually get something done on this, I'm not sure there's hope for much else. So, an awkward transition away from that to an issue that they did get something done on, uh, tax reform. Um, how badly have Democrats stepped on a rake when they decided to go whole hog on the Armageddon and crumbs talking points?
1: Yeah, well, the Armageddon talking point was nonsense, but they were they were pretending as if this was going to be just a catastrophic law for the American people and in fact it's it's the opposite of that it's working well and it's gained 26 points in popularity in the New York Times polling just since December and i think part of the reason that it is that the perception is turning around is people are seeing the reality around them as opposed to the overheated rhetoric and the overheated rhetoric actually helps the republican cause helps the tax reform cause at this point because democrats drove Tax reforms numbers down into the 30s with their scare tactics, and when you when you're expecting that you might die, and what you end up with is uh, being alive and a thousand dollars, that seems like a pretty great deal. Um, and and for Democrats to turn around from Frankenstein, Armageddon, end of the world, massive attack on the middle class to saying, well, okay, maybe. Things are going well and people are getting bonuses and new benefits and businesses are expanding and they're raising wages and people's paychecks are getting bigger because of the tax cuts. But it's not really all that much. It's just crumbs. That is an admission that the previous demagoguery and scare tactics were lies, And it's also an elite out of touch aloofness uh, where, you know, a multimillionaire like Nancy Pelosi sneering about crumbs that are, you know, Thousands, you know, a thousand plus dollars for average families. Um, that's not a good look. So my hope is that Republicans will keep pounding on this. Will keep urging people to check their pay stubs to look at their take-home pay now versus last month in December, and draw a direct line of credit, crediting crediting the Republicans for voting yes, and keeping in mind that every single Democrat voted no on this law while making absurdly incorrect predictions about it that have been um, debunked in real time. And the Republican argument's been vindicated in real time.
0: And we know here in Wisconsin, uh, one particular senator who's gonna be in a pretty tough race is gonna have to explain why she voted against uh, $2,500 for the average Wisconsin family. That was the uh, Department of Revenue estimate uh, that tax cuts would save People in Wisconsin, and that, by the way, doesn't even include the raises, the in, you know, bonuses. Enhanced, yep. The bonuses. Those are all just uh, those are all just perks, and and the actual rates uh, just took effect in the middle of February, so people are going to start seeing that. And I think the poll numbers are going to be a complete 180 by the time the election rolls around, and it's going to become a major problem for uh, for Senator Tammy Baldwin and others. Uh, I know you're a very busy man. You're uh, you were just in Madison, but you're. Uh, I imagine headed out. Is there any? Are there any final things before we let you go?
1: I think we covered it, and it was a fun trip to Madison again. I saw you guys in December. I was back here um, for the Wisconsin manufacturers uh, this week, and it's always a treat to be in Wisconsin.
0: Well, it's always great to have you, and um, you picked a couple of kind of chillier months, so come back in the <laughs> I summer know, for I'm, sure. We'd I'm love... doing it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to All have right, you thanks back. Thanks so much. Thank you.